0: Welcome to the School of Humanity podcast.
1: You are made in the image and likeness of God.
0: Not only does God long for you, but you are like Him.
1: What does this mean for you?
0: How does it affect your view of God?
1: How does it affect your view of yourself?
0: How does that affect everything? This This is is the School of of Humanity. humanity. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of... What is this called again? The School of Humanity. The School we've of been, Humanity, we've yes. We've been on break for a little bit. so <laughs> um, Thank you guys so much, and we hope you had a beautiful Christmas season and um, an awesome new year. So thank you so much for continuing to listen to us, and this is, obviously, let us reintroduce ourselves since it's been so long. Rachel Bullman and...
1: Jason Bullman.
0: Yeah, we're married. And tonight we have a guest here with us, um, Tom. Tom is not actually here with us. Yeah. (laughs) um... Tom is in Indiana and it's really warm up there, right, Tom?
2: It's it's pleasant. (laughs) We're on a heat wave right now in the (laughs) thirties.
0: That is amazing. So Tom just we're gonna invite Tom to tell us a little bit about himself, but we wanted to say that we we've known Tom actually for Ooh, wow, I don't it's, know it's probably been more more than a decade that we've known him. <laughs> wow, we're really old. <laughs> but we, um, we've we known Tom for a while and we can get into that. But Tom, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what you do.
2: Sure. Uh, so my name is Tom Ponchak. I am currently the Director of Adult Faith Formation at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, uh, Parish in Carmel, Indiana, just north uh, of Indianapolis, and uh, we've uh, been married for years to my wife Lisa, only 25 years in May, and we have uh, six kids, five girls, and a little boy. Uh, we've been uh, I've been in this position here uh, for about a year and a half prior to that, I was living before for about 18 years or so. Uh, you guys, and and uh, we were involved with uh, uh, Resurrection uh, Catholic Church there in Lakeland for a while. So, um, so yeah, I guess it's a little bit about me.
1: And tell them where did you go to school?
2: Uh, yeah, so I I, uh, I went that that description. I uh, <laughs> I went to uh, I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville uh, where I got my degree in theology. Um, Spent a couple of years working in the Catholic Church, uh, doing youth ministry, teaching uh, at a Catholic high school. And then my wife and I uh, left the Catholic Church uh, for about 10 years. We got involved with a non-denominational evangelical church. Uh, We eventually uh, planted and pastored our own house church in Lakeland. uh, And we came back into full communion with the Catholic Church uh, back in 2007. Uh, after really just realizing we missed the Eucharist and the sacraments.
1: Oh. Yeah, Tom has yeah. such a powerful story, I think, um, that can provide us with a lot of inspiration regarding, you know, just the power of the Eucharist, the the fullness of truth that the Catholic Church has. And um that's probably another podcast though.
0: That is, that is another <laughs> podcast. We should definitely talk about that. Um a little tidbit for us is that um, we we met Tom and Lisa. I think maybe in the fall, maybe in like was it the fall of two thousand and seven?
1: I think it was definitely cold outside, if I remember. Yeah, because it was we were doing campfires.
0: I think it was the fall of two thousand and seven. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we met them. We were Jason. And I were part of the core team that was starting young adult ministry. Um, at Resurrection, and Tom and Lisa would later join us. But they, they had actually come because our flyer was really awesome. Um, <laughs> it, it didn't look Catholic. It looked like a Protestant flyer. <laughs> <laughs> it was all colorful and glossy. Um, <laughs> and so we, um, they came to like our first few nights of that, and then we just became really good friends with them. Um, and their daughter, their, their youngest daughter, Sarah, is our goddaughter, and Gemma is their goddaughter. Our Gemma is their goddaughter. And um, we actually, I don't even know how long we had known each other before we realized this, but I was looking back at the pictures of when I was confirmed at St. Joseph's and uh, looked in front of me and I was like, Tom, I'm pretty sure that's the back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, yep. it was a, that was pretty amazing to know that we were, we didn't even know each other then, but we were... Standing just feet no, away from was, each other. I
2: was sponsoring someone who was uh, from our house church that was going through RCIA and coming into the church.
1: But how cool is Which is, is amazing. That? That's, That's so amazing. cool. I remember being kind of like starstruck when I first met Tom because he was like coming in with a d- degree in theology. And uh, <laughs> I thought like, yes, we're going to go to a new level here in right, our young adult right. ministry. And uh he and, also had... Um,
0: he had a, he had some guy that no one knows as right, his advisor.
1: Right. Who was that guy again? Uh, Dr. Scott Hahn. Uh.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think maybe a couple people might know him. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was just insane. So And, and Tom, it's great because you didn't tell us that until like a year into our, our friendship. That you were like, by the way, I <laughs> yeah. used to hang out in Scott Hahn's living room. So. Yeah, whatever. Right. Not a big deal. We're just <laughs> bros. Um, so, um, anyway, we, when Tom moved away to Indiana and took his whole family, he, you really should have left your family. I don't know what, what you were thinking, but, um, <laughs> uh, he did leave his eldest daughters in our care.
1: He did. Kind of. And kind by of. that, yep. I
0: mean that they're all like, adults, so they're really not and in our care. they babysit our kids. <laughs> and they babysit our kids. <laughs> but every now and then they do call me and say something like, I, I'm I'm going to this thing and I put you as my emergency contact. <laughs> 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 that does happen every now and then. So. <laughs> um, but we have only touched base with Tom and Lisa a couple of times. So it's really nice tonight just to hear his voice and we hope that you guys will enjoy this just as much as we are. Um, and tonight we're going to dive into the Book of Revelation.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a new turn for us here.
0: Yeah. And you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people call it the Book of Revelations. Like there's more than one. Ah. Yeah, it's just, just a bunch of revelations. So <laughs> that's not what it's called, though. It's it's, called...
1: N- it's not relevations?
0: No, it's not relevations. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. You watch a lot of <laughs> Disney movies, <huh>? I do. <laughs> so... um so, Tom, how did you come about deciding to study this and doing your talk there at the at your parish?
2: Sure. So, well, one of the things um, I do at Our Lady is every month we do an event called Into the Deep, um, which is kind of like a theology on tap, but we do it on campus um, in uh, one of our uh, rooms in the church. And so every month it's a, it's a different topic and a kind of standalone uh, topics that uh, I think a lot of people have, have liked because uh, in the past they've done a lot of series and they've done a lot of uh, Bible studies and things like that. But you have to kind of keep coming back and have you know, homework in between and stuff like that. This, is a, this has been something new for them where it's every month it's a standalone topic. So um, the Into the Deep I did in November was called Strange Verses. Uh, understanding the book of Revelation. Um, I always try to look for something that uh, will get people's attention. I know from running the Bible studies that we do at the parish, uh, Revelation is one of those books that people want to uh, study or hear more about all the time. And so I kind of picked that as a uh, topic to do as a one-off rather than a a complete study.
1: I've read a little bit about um, the book of Revelation and... It seems like there's a lot of misunderstandings out there, wouldn't you agree, Tom?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the problems is, you know, our our culture, even within the church, um, a lot of times we we kind of assimilate uh, from the culture around us, which is tends to be very um, evangelical Protestant in its theology, and uh, Revelation is certainly one of those books it's very subject to that. You know, you get the left-behind movies and books and uh, talking about things like the rapture and things like that, and I think people just kind of naturally assume that those things are um, a common understanding of the book, but from a Catholic perspective, they're really not. Those are, those are kind of foreign uh, concepts to, to reading and understanding Revelation as a Catholic.
0: Now I do. I do have a confession to make that I read the majority of the Left Behind series. So I'm just letting everybody know I was Protestant at the time. Um, I saw the Kirk Cameron movie. That might have been some of his best acting ever. Um, <laughs> sorry, Kirk Cameron. Um, but that I, I did watch all of it, and also decided that I would never name my child Nikolai. Because of that that whole left behind series. Um, sorry if you are listening. Yeah. Your name's Nikolai. That was a low blow. <laughs> I do but
2: I do have a guilty pleasure of watching uh, movies about the rapture to see how they pull it off. Whether the the clothes are left behind folded neatly, the clothes are taken with them. However that however that works.
1: Where what is the origin of the term rapture? Because I don't think that's even used. Is it in the book?
2: Yeah. No, and. Um, the whole idea of the rapture itself, um, it can it only dates back to the early 1800s, um, actually around 1830. Uh, there was a uh, young lady in, uh, I want to say it was Scotland, uh, Margaret MacDonald, she was 15 years old, and she had this uh, ecstatic vision, and in this vision uh, was uh, the rapture. and she told her vision, she started talking about it to other people, and uh, there was a pastor who came through to the town by the name of John Darby, uh, who uh, heard the story and, and started preaching on it himself, and he was one of the uh, pastors that was used to write commentary in the Schofield Bible, Schofield Reference Bible, uh, which is uh, a major evangelical Bible, and so with him putting that in the commentary uh, back in nineteen early 1900s, that's kind of where it, the whole idea came from and uh, how it got into evangelical theology. It's really uh, just over 100 years old.
0: I'm not even going to lie right now. My, my mind is blown already. This is basically just... Uh, <laughs> Just the fact that someone wrote it down in a book, and then like a billion people read it after that, that right? Everybody decided to start using it. Uh, yep,
1: yep. So this is the That's product. A old girl. This is product of a, a private revelation, rather than yep. yeah. Rather than being scripturally based, which is ironic.
0: Yep. Um, <laughs> God, so Tom, did you ever read any of the Left Behind books? No. Because you were I, Catholic I when I they were, know. like, all hitting the stand, right?
2: Um, I think that was around the time we were leaving the church. Okay. Um, but, I, like I said, I have seen some of the... I don't know if I've actually seen the Kirk Cameron movie, but I have seen some of the other Rapture movies uh, in the past. So, Nicholas Cage just did a remake of it not long ago.
0: That's right. He totally did, um, which makes me super sad and also laugh hysterically. Um... <laughs> but the the other thing about that the the Kirk T.D. Jakes was in it so I mean that was a oh yeah he was of course he was of course raptured okay just in case anybody wanted to know (laughs) but he left a he left like a video behind that basically said play me if I'm raptured if you're if you're not raptured and you're left behind (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry that's not that's just It's it's like
2: the bumper you see on some cars in the event of rapture, this vehicle will be unoccupied or something
0: like that. <laughs> um, and also, just for, for those that aren't familiar, of course, with the Left Behind series, I don't know what rock you've lived under the last couple of decades, but anyway, the Left Behind series is a... Uh, they're fictional books. Um, uh, Tim LaHaye and... I forget the other guy's name. Something Jenkins. Uh, <laughs> But they got together and they wrote this series. It was like a ridiculous amount of books. I think it was like 12 or 13 books or something like that. Um,
2: it's kind of like an evangelical Twilight.
0: Yes, it is totally an evangelical Twilight. Um, and honestly, the first Left Behind movie was better done than the first Twilight movie. But anyway. Um, um, but they, they ended up making a movie later and Kirk Cameron was in it and... Um, and a lot of times they've actually been told that it would, that that the books were very anti-Catholic, that now the authors say that they, that was not their intention. Um, but just a little background is that the, the, the Pope in the, in in the the story was raptured. Okay. Oh, but it it was later revealed that he was basically raptured because he had taken some of uh, Protestantism. He had like decided that he was going to become Protestant or something. <laughs> um, and so the Pope in the book was raptured and then a new Pope took reign, but he did not um, adopt like Catholicism. He became like the Pope of every other religion on the nation or like in the world. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It was very, oh, well. it's very strange, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but they so said it was the wasn't, Antichrist
2: or something to that effect, right?
0: Yes, actually, his group was called like um, something like the Babylon of it was. I mean, anything that has that in there usually is, is pretty bad. Uh, okay, he called it the he became Pontifex Maximus of Enigma Babylon One World Faith,
1: One World Faith,
0: no, I'm one, one World Faith, yeah. And, and they said that it was an amalgamation of all the remaining world faiths and religions that were left behind. Mm. So. That's
1: that's cute. So, so fun fact:
2: Antichrist does not appear in the Book of Revelation at all. Wow. the The word Antichrist only appears in First John and Second John, um, and in those contexts, uh, in those in those letters of John. Uh, the term Antichrist is used to describe those who um, deny Jesus. So, for example, um, 1 John 2.18 says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know this is the last hour. Uh, Verse 22, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son.
1: Right. Wow.
2: So, in John's mind, uh, in his letters, uh, the Antichrist uh, was more of a, uh, I guess in a sense, a spirit, an idea. Those who deny Christ and was already present in the world, so we don't have to really necessarily worry about is that guy, is that guy. It's funny, you know, Ronald... Many people thought Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist because his name was Ronald Wilson Reagan, and each of those names has six letters, so a 666 for oh. Ronald Wilson Reagan.
1: Right. <laughs> and that, there's been a lot of those kind of thoughts or predictions out there over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, what about, um, are the clothes going to be folded, or have we, was that, did you address that when you were...
2: I don't know why, I I, I would think they would just be, like, left behind, as they are.
0: Right, right. (laughs) I look over and I'm like, where did Jason go? Why are his clothes folded so nicely? (laughs) That would be my first question. I really wouldn't be worried about the fact that people were missing I would be concerned. Why did Jason fold his clothes? Right. Like, when did he, why does this look so nice? Like, did it just come right off the rack? Why did it get folded like that? Um, So, what other things, I mean, as far as background, before we kind of dive into the, the depth of it that you think people need to be aware of as far as... Um,
1: yeah, how do we understand the book in, from a Catholic perspective and...
2: Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, the first, thing, the, the first thing to remember is that when you're reading the book of Revelation, it's, it's one of the books of the Bible, it's, it's part of Scripture, so it should be treated the same way that you treat the rest of Scripture, uh, when you approach it, when you study it. Um, and so, as a Catholic, uh, the first rule of thumb for Scripture study is context. You know, context, context, context. You read, you read uh, a verse within the context of the chapter, within the context of the book, within the context of the whole of revela- Revelation, uh, uh, divine revelation. And so, uh, that protects you from the idea of proof texting or taking things out of context and twisting it. You know, what? Did, and then, as Catholics, we believe that there are, there are four senses of Scripture, four ways that we read Scripture. The first is the literal, <clears throat> and so that's what did the original author intend to communicate to the original audience that was going to read this. Um, you know, when John sat down on the island of Patmos to write out Revelation, um, or when Paul was sitting in a prison cell writing one of his letters, uh, he they were not thinking of you know, Americans in 2018. Uh, They were writing to a specific group of people in a specific time. And as Catholics, we believe that the the way inspiration works is the Holy Spirit inspired them, but they they maintained full control of their will. They they wrote um, using different literary devices, using uh, uh, their own words, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't dictated to them. Um, but at the same time the Holy Spirit guided them so it's kind of a mystery in that sense but so that that literal sense is what's the what's the the literal meaning of this passage and then there are three spiritual senses Um, there's the uh, analogical which is kind of typology you know different passages how do they what are they telling us about Christ Um, and then there's the Moral sense, which is, you know, what how does the scripture apply to my life? How does what does it tell me about how I should be living? How should I be following Jesus? And then there's what's called the anagogical, um, which points to the eternal things. You know, what does it say about heaven? What does it say about my our ultimate destiny? And so, one passage of scripture can carry multiple meanings on those different levels. So, as we read Revelation, just like we would read. Passage out of the Gospels or a passage from the Old Testament. We have to keep those things in mind first. That it's it's a book of Scripture just like any other book of Scripture. Um, so we need to apply those same rules.
1: Right. I think that that's um, that alone is very valuable to Catholics um, who it definitely is. yeah who maybe necessarily haven't dove into Scripture a lot um, or haven't mm-hmm. taken the time um, because what an incredible method of prayer um because anytime a catholic studies anything you know theology or scripture philosophy should always begin on their knees you know um and and so it's beautiful to learn about these different senses of scripture because it helps you to understand it it helps you to grow in faith it helps you to um to pray really because you you have a more personal understanding of the author of the of christ um, of the holy spirit's interpretation of the word who is christ um you know so i think it's and and i was i remember when i first learned about this which was probably about 10 years ago or something like that that we the Catholic understanding of interpreting sacred Scripture had these different senses. I thought, God, this is brilliant, you know? I mean, how come I didn't <laughs> learn about this? when I went through Catholic school my whole life. I've never heard this before. Yeah. Uh, but now you have a system or, or, a, or a way of approaching Scripture um, where you can read a passage and say, okay let me look up the literal sense or let me understand. And there's plenty of sources to help people understand that. Um, Mm -hmm. and then how does this apply to Christ? Um, how does this apply to my life? And, um, what does this say about the beatific vision about the divine economy, about how God is in his essence, you know, from all eternity? What does it say Mm -hmm. about him? Um, and, uh, man, some beautiful fruit can come from that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm over yeah. here taking notes, so continue.
2: <laughs> no problem. Well, and I think with the book of Revelation itself, um, I think the idea that idea of context, I think, is one uh, aspect that gets lost, and that's where we get, you know, there's a lot of crazy interpretations and and misunderstandings, and even just people being intimidated in reading it, because it, it is kind of an odd book. You've got, you know, beasts and creatures and uh, all kinds of weird things going on. And um, But what's what's interesting is when you look at Revelation, um, the first thing that, that stands out is that uh, Revelation is the most biblical book in the Bible. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is... Um, it references and quotes the Old Testament more than any other book in the New Testament. Uh, Just as an example, if you just take the book of the prophet Ezekiel, and you look at references and quotes to Ezekiel in the book of Revelation, there are over 130 times that the book of Revelation references back to just the book of Ezekiel, and that's in 22 chapters. Um, and then you can you can tr- find those same parallels with with Daniel and with Isaiah and uh, other parts of the Old Testament. So I think part of the reason we mislead Revelation is because we we aren't as familiar with the Bible as we should be. We're not as familiar with the Old Testament as we ought to be, and and probably as a first century Christian would have been right. when they were uh, when when. John was writing this. And, you know, as a Jew, as a first century Jew, John was very, he was just so entrenched in the Word of God um, to know the the Scriptures. And so he's able to pull on all of that, just not just specific quotes, but just imagery and ideas that were found in the prophets um, that we miss that. And because we miss that, we fill it in with our own imagination or our own interpretation uh, and things like that. So, um, because there's all those symbols all the symbolism in revelation, if we don't understand that it's that it's symbolism that's rooted in the Old Testament, then we start thinking oh those those funky flying armored locusts are actually black helicopters, you know right uh, and other things that come along come along like that
1: i um i I just have to say i mean, I can just imagine John, and we all know that he was beloved, you know, uh, he loved Christ, you know, um, the one that rested his head on Christ's chest, and um, I can imagine, you know, when he fell in love with the Lord, and that all that he had learned, you know, it it's like everything pointed to him, and he was able to just see it, you know, or it was revealed to yep. him, but, you know, all of that, all of the the um, Old Testament that he knew now took on life because it was incarnate, you know, um, in front of him. So that's just yeah. a beautiful testament to the holiness of John and, um, and what a real love for Christ can do um, in your life, you know. And when you read the Old Testament it really comes to life if you read it, um, what, anagogically, right? Or analogically.
0: Uh The, um, we, we're getting close to like our, our ending time for the podcast. Um, it comes really fast every time, but before we break for this and just to let our listeners know, we are going to have Tom back. We're not just going to, talk about like the background of Revelation and then just leave you hanging. So we will come back next week and we're going to talk about some of it more in depth, of course, going through some of the chapters and and looking at particular verses, uh, which is a really beautiful tool for Catholics. I definitely read Revelation as a Protestant and I remember as a Protestant it puzzling the crap out of me. So I can only imagine that as a Catholic who doesn't really... um, hasn't really read scripture outside of mass or maybe just has read maybe the the popular Alexio Divina uh, verses or something like that you, if you've never had any exposure to this that revelation is always very very intimidating um, but Tom before we go I wanted to ask if you if you could give a couple of books that you have used maybe during your time that you're just trying to prepare for this that maybe some of our listeners might be interested in getting themselves Um and obviously, Abigail has a lot to say, but we wanted to ask you, because she, she doesn't have a read yet, so um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah,
2: there's definitely a few I can recommend. Um, the first will be Coming Soon, uh, Unlocking the Book of Revelation by Michael Barber, um, and that's a Emmaus Road uh, Publishing, um, and then uh, there's another one, uh, The Days of Vengeance, an exposition of the book of Revelation by David Chilton. Uh, now, Michael Barber is Catholic. David Chilton is uh, Presbyterian, but his uh, reading and interpretation of uh, Revelation is definitely not your typical Protestant um, interpretation. I mean, he, see, he sees a lot of liturgical and, and uh, uh, meaning and, and, and context to it. Um and then uh, Scott Hahn's The Last Supper, uh, The Mass is Heaven on Earth, is also a really good book. Uh, if you're looking to do a, a Bible study, um, there's a website, uh, Agape Bible Study, it's a Catholic Bible Study, agapebiblestudy.com, and they offer a study on the book of Revelation. Um, and then uh, The Destruction of the Temple and the End of the World by Peter—I'm uh, sorry, by uh, Brant Petrie, Dr. Brant Petrie, is a, um, a talk that you can find online from him uh, that gives a lot of good insight as well.
1: Tom, also, where can you, is it in the Catechism where you can um, look up the, uh, like, the different senses, the different senses of Scripture, um, that kind of thing?
2: Uh, catechism for the sense of the Scripture that would be uh, in the Catechism of Catholic Church uh, paragraphs one fifteen through one nineteen. Okay. Kind of goes into some of the detail on that. That and that's uh, in the section on Sacred Scripture. So there's some good things in there um, that uh, the Catechism offers as far as how to read how to read the Scripture and how to interpret it um, and things like that. And then. In terms of kind of understanding, a lot of people look at Revelation, they think of the end of the world and, and uh, things like that. And, and paragraph, uh, paragraph 676, 677 gives some good uh, guidelines for interpreting things like, and we'll probably talk about in the next section, uh, like the millennial, uh, whether it's premillennial, postmillennial post-millennial interpretation from Revelation about the thousand-year reign of Christ. Uh,
0: they get into that uh,
1: in those sections. Okay, perfect.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Um, and we hope that you guys will open up sacred scripture. You know, that is definitely something that, that aids in in your humanity and, and aids in you discovering more about the nature of God and also, therefore, the nature of your own heart. So... Um, We hope you'll join us next week as we continue to dive into some strange verses with Tom. And uh, God bless. God
1: bless.